Welcome to the Wellness Plus Podcast, featuring interviews with health and wellness professionals empowering you to take control of your health and happiness. Feel better, look better, and live better today by subscribing right now for new episodes every week. The Wellness Plus Podcast is brought to you by wellnessplus.tv and made possible by the generous donations of Psyche Truth Patreon supporters. Now here's your host, Certified Holistic Health Coach, Karina Rachel. Hello and welcome to the Wellness Plus Podcast. I'm your host, Karina Rachel, and I'm joined today by Karen Shopoff-Roof. She's a personal trainer, a certified holistic health coach, and founder of runningonbalance.com. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. So one of the blog posts on your website that I was recently reading is about metabolism. And I thought, wow, such a big buzzword. All of us want to boost our metabolism or get more metabolism, all of this. But I thought, you know, there's a lot of confusion around this topic. Um, so I was hoping maybe you could kind of demystify metabolism. Sure. Um, and if you have any hacks or tricks of how people can actually boost their metabolism and have more effective weight loss, um, would love to learn some of that from you. Yeah, fantastic. I appreciate you having me here today. I love to talk about metabolism because I think it's one of those things, which as you say, it's a big buzzword, right? Mm -hmm. We hear about it all the time. And people kind of throw around the idea of like, oh, my metabolism's tanking. But I don't always get the feeling that people really understand what metabolism is or how it works. Mm -hmm. So i just like to start to make sure that we're all on the same page and give everybody a really clear understanding of what is your metabolism. Because there's really two types of metabolism. One is your basal metabolism. And that is how, how much energy, when energy comes in the form of calories, which comes from food, how much energy does your body need to keep you alive? Okay. <laughs> so it's a math equation, right? How much energy does your body need to keep your brain function, your cell function, keep your heart beating, keep you breathing, mm -hmm. keep you warm enough that you're not going to freeze and cool enough that you're not going to fully dehydrate and die, right? All of that makes up your basal metabolic rate. Now, what most people really care about, though, that's, and that's something that's genetic. Mm -hmm. And it stays really, really stable all throughout your life. So regardless of whether you are three years old and growing like crazy or you are 43 years old and going through hormonal changes, your basal metabolic rate stays really consistent okay. throughout your life. However, my basal metabolic rate and your basal metabolic rate may or may not be similar. Okay. So that's sort of like step one of what is metabolism. Step two, which is the part that most people really care about, is, yeah, but how many calories can I eat each day? <laughs> right? Because if we're looking at the question of either weight maintenance or weight loss, which is what most people want, few people out there interested in weight gain, same math <laughs> is involved here. And that has to do with your basal metabolic rate plus the calories that you require to go through your daily activities. That's what equals 
your daily metabolic rate. So the variable in that is how many calories do each of us need to get through our daily activities? Mm -hmm. That is highly variable from person to person, and it's even highly variable within one person from day to day. Wow. Right? So if you think about, like, all of the things that you might do um, on a warm summer's day where you're outside and maybe you're hiking and then you go swimming and then you have a little picnic and you're kind of hot and you're sweating. Well, that's going to require a lot more calories on that day versus on a winter day when you're at home and you're on your couch snuggled up under a blanket with a (laughs) mug of hot chocolate and you're reading a book, right? Those are just, you know, very simple but very clear extreme of how much your daily metabolic requirements can change even though you're still the same person. Right. And I think for each of us, um, you're right. We tend to have kind of different schedules. You know, um, maybe we have a really big intention to be working out for an hour every single day, but realistically, it tends to be, you know, maybe some days of the week we're more active. I know for me, I'm much more active over the weekend uh, right. than I am during the week when yeah. I'm at work for several hours. And um, and even in my work day, some days I'm up all day on my feet, I'm running cameras, I'm like expending a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. And then other days where I'm sedentary most of the day or I'm doing podcasts and mm-hmm. I'm seated for several hours. Um, so I can definitely observe that for myself, there's a, a big variation in, you know, like my uh, physical exercise level or just energetic output right throughout the day. Right. So, you know, I think that it's really important for people to have that element of self-reflection and to understand what are the patterns in their lives where they're more or less active because that is going to have a direct effect on your metabolism. And so kind of the bad news for most people is that although we like to think um, that, you know, aging is the culprit for slowing down of the metabolism. Oh, I turned 40, my metabolism tanked, it's all over, you know, I hate getting older. That's really not a fair assessment. Mm. (laughs) Your metabolism doesn't just like drop off a cliff. (laughs) It it doesn't. And it's not even a direct result of hormonal changes. There is some slight decrease in metabolism as we age, but it's much more strongly correlated to the fact that we tend to be less active as we age than when we're younger. So you can't just go blaming the hormones on this one. Um, which I know, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> and, but really, that's good news. It is because it's something within our control. Yeah, and because I think so many people, you know, have that feeling like, oh, once I hit this certain age, um, nothing that I do is going to, right. you know, boost my metabolism yeah. back up because my metabolism is just sunk. Right. But hey, metabolism isn't a sunken ship. <laughs> no, no, there's so much you can do that's within your control to boost your metabolism. And the really exciting part in my mind is that many of those things have knock-on health benefits that go so far beyond boosting your metabolism that 
you want to be doing them anyway because mm-hmm. they're going to make you feel great in other ways. Nice. And then the boost of metabolism and maybe the weight that's lost or whatever is just the icing on the top. Exactly. As we're making these measures to improve our health. Exactly. Okay, great. So what would be, um, I guess, some of those ideas for, for boosting metabolism? So first one is super simple, and that's just to move more. <laughs> uh, I mean, it really does come down to when you have more movement in your day, your body requires more calories to support that movement. Or the converse of it, that you're going to burn more calories in order to sustain that movement, and so your body is going to take those from your fat stores. Mm-hmm. So I don't ever want to discount walking as a form of exercise. I think that a lot of times in our like go, 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 weekend warrior kind of a culture, walking kind of gets poo-pooed as like, <laughs> you know, it's not really exercise like because we walk all the time. So how can it count? But for a lot of people, it's a fantastic entry into getting more movement in their day. It's extremely accessible. Mm-hmm. You don't need to change clothes before you do it. You don't even need to change shoes before you do it. You can do it in the five minutes in between your meetings all mm-hmm. throughout your day when you're having a super sedentary day. Um, but just getting up and moving, it like stokes the fire internally and it's asking your body to consume more calories mm-hmm. or to use more calories to burn in order to give you the energy to support your work. So super easy. Whatever that activity is, we just want more of it. And it really is healthier for your body to have that activity sprinkled in throughout your day, throughout your week, rather than doing nothing all during the work week and then deciding you're going to go out and play a three-hour game of pickup soccer on the weekend. Mm. Um, that says nothing of injury risk as well. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, but but metabolically, you're going to get a bigger boost, a more sustained boost, um, and keep your body overall happier if you're getting more consistent activity all throughout your schedule. Nice. And I think really specifically, one of the great things that you can do for your body um both metabolically, also good for your muscles and for your skeleton, is to do some resistance training, some weight workouts. Mm -hmm. Because when we do weight-bearing exercise, we're really pushing our bodies beyond where they are right now. That's Mm -hmm. the whole point of it, right? And so when we do that, we are challenging our, our muscles to grow our muscles. They're pulling on our bones, which helps to strengthen our bones, and we're creating a higher percentage of lean fat in our bodies, and that also helps to stoke the metabolism. Nice. So when you say weight training exercises, does that include body weight? Absolutely. Things? Yeah, yeah. And I'm glad that you said that because I think that a lot of people get stuck in an idea that they oh well I don't have any weights or I don't have a gym membership. So I can't really do any weight exercises. Like your body's the best weight that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you get more fit, you're going to be able to do, you know, more repetitions of an exercise in the same amount of time. That's a great way to continue to challenge yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, any type of, you know, stair climbing, 
again, back to the walking sort of example, hills, right. like walking hills, that's like weight training in disguise. Yeah. Um, because you're having to challenge your muscles in really significant ways that are outside of your normal movement patterns. Mm-hmm. I love that you know, your first recommendations are not giving people like, oh, well, you need to go try this crazy new activity or whatever. It's like, hey, walk more. Right. (laughs) Right. Like never ignore the obvious. Yeah. I mean, our bodies are really complex and really cool and they do amazing and awesome things, but they're also machines. Mm -hmm. And if we break it down into how the machine of the body actually works, the input doesn't have to be really complex in order to make the machine work. Right. You know, I almost get a, you know, visual image of like your, um, do you ever see those little things where you're looking at a picture and then they're like, you know, can you find all of the things related to dogs? Or like, you know, can you find the hidden items or what items don't fit or whatever? And so you're like looking at this picture and then all of a sudden you start seeing, oh, right there. Yeah. Oh, it's right there. That's almost how it is for me. It's like there's this element that we're, you know, we really toil over like, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to be more active. I don't know how to get healthier, whatever. But then at some point you just kind of go like, oh, wait, I could just walk more. Yeah. And I love that example of like in between my meetings rather than sitting, like go be active, walk the hallway, walk around the building. Like there's so many ways to, um, if there's stairs in the building, yeah, you know, walking up and down the stairs a couple times. Um, I'm the person who, if I have a doctor's appointment or I have my kid at a doctor's appointment, I tell the receptionist to call me when it's my turn that I'm going to be walking up and down the stairs in the stairwell. And I have never had somebody say, you can't do that. Um, what a good idea. It's preventative health care right here. <laughs> rather than sitting. Rather than sitting here for, because I don't know, is it going to be one minute? Hardly ever. Right. Right. Is it going to be 15 minutes? Probably at least. Mm-hmm. So. Well, and I just think about how much time I have spent sitting in waiting rooms and like, mm-hmm. what a wonderful solution that, yeah. you know. Yeah. Hey, yeah, just send me a text or give me a get call a, when, it, when we're actually move. up. Yeah. I'll um, be right there. Definitely. You know, so. You know, one thing that I've noticed, too, is that, you know, as I increase my physical activity, I tend to find that I'm eating more, Mm -hmm. too, and I'm hungrier. (laughs) Yes. So how does that, like, work with the balance of metabolism? Uh, That's such a great point because this is something that as a lifelong distance runner (laughs) – I know all too well myself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of times I'll go into a, a training cycle and think, right, this is going to be awesome. You know, I'm going to lose a little weight and tone up, but it's going to be great. And then, like, I find myself eating constantly, right, because my body is like, wow, you are suddenly asking me to do a lot. Mm-hmm. Give me more input here. So I think being aware of that is always fabulous first step. Like that means that you're paying attention to the information that your body is giving you. So the next step of it is being really mindful about the choices you're you're making and how you're responding to that request from your body Mm. for more energy. Because are you, you know, feeding it with You know, the first thing that you see because you're absolutely ravenously hungry and about to eat your own arm, which that's usually not the most nutrient-dense choice, (laughs) or have you figured out ahead of your workout that you're going to be hungry afterwards, and so you have brought some kind of, you know, nicely balanced carb-protein snack for you to have 
in order to prevent that I'm about to go crazy and eat whatever's in front of me mm. kind of feeling. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things you'd mentioned in the previous podcast is that you really, um, you know, put a lot of care into meal planning and meal prepping. And I think that really, you know, it really is the, the secret, so it to is. speak, because we're all going to end up in that time where we start feeling really hungry and it kind of puts your body in a panic mode, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. um, and it's, uh, it's definitely understandable. Once yeah. you get to that level of hunger, like your body is going, Hey, this is life or death. So right. we're going to pull into the drive through or whatever. Yeah. If you can prepare yourself, um, having those meals prepped, having healthy snacks with you. I mean, you, um, you're just so much better equipped to resist that. Absolutely. Other thing, I mean, it know? comes out of what part of your brain are you working from? Are you working from the frontal lobe, the executive function part of your brain that helps you make good choices and that helps you say, this is the right thing for my overall goal? Or are you working from lower down the brainstem and your reptilian brain that's like, feed me now? Um, you know, and so working to stay out of the reptile brain is yeah. it's a key to you know sustainably existing in a healthy way every day because we all get there mm -hmm. i mean i've got a really big old like dragon of a reptilian brain that you know at the end of a big workout likes to come out so if i have something already prepared to like feed the dragon right away mm -hmm. then i can tame it more quickly than if i wait and then as you say, you know, either drive through fast food or make a quick stop at a, I'm just going to get a coffee somewhere. And then suddenly I have, you know, a blueberry muffin the size of my head in my hand and shoving it down my throat, you mm -hmm. know, any of those kinds of things. So I really believe that the time spent up front in planning both for meals and for post-workout snacks is, it's part of the overall picture if you want to be successful on a long-term basis. Definitely. And I think that that point that you made, like once we get really hungry, we literally start thinking with a different part yeah. of our brain and we kind of lose that um, that that piece that can actually, uh, you know, make a better decision or whatever. And I think we've all been in that position. Oh, my gosh. You know, where totally. it's like this instinctive thing, reaching right. for food yeah. or reaching for this. Yeah. And a lot of times you're 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 conscious of it as you're doing it, but feel completely incapable of stopping yourself. Mm. And then you finish eating whatever it is you've eaten. And then you're like, how did that happen? That wasn't even really what I wanted, mm. but it's what was there. And I couldn't stop myself. Right. You know, so on that element of, I guess, like blood sugar metabolism, when we start getting into that really low blood sugar place mm -hmm. and the body really starts freaking out, um, can you speak to maybe like the link between like blood sugar and metabolism? So your your metabolic rate is going to function at its highest when your blood sugar is most stable. Okay. It's just an efficiency type of explanation within your body and how your body works. Your body is really always seeking that stasis, that balance, mm. because that's where it works most efficiently. So your body doesn't really enjoy the peaks in the valleys. And so if you want your metabolism to stay consistent or even consistent on an upward trend, we have to try to flatten out that blood sugar curve. We'd like to briefly interrupt this interview to remind you that this podcast was made possible by listeners just like you. 
become a supporter at patreon.com slash psychetruth, where you can watch the video version of this episode and all our podcast episodes. Plus, you'll gain access to over 500 videos of exclusive content, including premium courses and behind-the-scenes peaks. Help us keep this information free by visiting patreon.com slash psychetruth. That's patreon.com slash P-S-Y-C-H-E-T-R-U-T-H. So maybe a hack for our metabolism is that we're always aiming to stay uh, in the mid-range, so to speak, of our metabolism. Yes. So we're yes. not super full food coma style. Right. And we're not super hungry. Eating you know, our arm. I'm, yeah. Yeah. Crazy hunger style. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so getting into that idea of like, you know, stabilizing our blood sugar. You had talked in the previous podcast about, you know, like protein, fiber, fats, having those those uh, other macronutrients with our ki- carbohydrates to mm-hmm. help, you know, ba- keep the blood sugar from spiking yeah, up really it just high. Buffers. Um, you know, what would you say then about um, the prevalence of this uh, intermittent fasting that has become so popular? You know, I, it's really interesting. I've been doing a lot of reading about it lately because I think that it's one of those things that's sort of a product of our 24-7 culture, mm-hmm. right? We are so amazingly fortunate to be living at this point of time where there is such abundance in our food supply mm-hmm. that we can eat whenever and wherever we want to. Right. Which when you really stop and think about that, that's pretty wild. Mm-hmm. However, our bodies are physiolo- physiologically out of sync with our modern Life, mm. And what I mean by that is, in a lot of ways, our bodies are still functioning very much like when our ancestors were living in caves, right? And they had to gather all their food and hunt for a small percentage of the diet. And food was not abundant. Mm-hmm. It was scarce. And so in order to ration the food supplies, we had very natural um, diurnal patterns to our bodies, right? We had clear waking times and we had clear sleeping times. As such, we ate while we were awake and we did not eat when we were asleep. So you combine the abundance of the current food supply with our lack of sleeping in modern culture, and all of a sudden, we have, like, pushed our bodies well beyond what their natural physiological states need to be. So Mm. like the blood sugar going way up and way down, we've done the same thing with eating. We're now eating much more food in over a much larger course of the day than our bodies are really physiologically designed for. Mm -hmm. So the idea of the intermittent fasting is to shrink that window of when we're eating to be more in line with what our body naturally wants. Okay. So then, you know, because, you know, on one hand, you know, it sounds like there's this recommendation to keep our blood sugar stable, which might mean like you're having snacks throughout the day. Maybe you bring um, a bag of nuts or something like that so that you always have some like protein 
fiber mm -hmm. to be, you know, putting in so that you keep your blood sugar from going really low. Uh, but then that kind of flies in the face of the intermittent fasting, which is like kind of designed to keep your blood sugar low for longer periods. It, it is, but I think that it's, it's, it's all about finding a middle ground, mm. right? And so the intermittent fasting isn't saying, um, how can I put this? It isn't saying that you're not eating he through these hours because necessarily for blood sugar reasons. Mm. You're not eating within these hours because we're giving your body a break. Nice. That's the point of the intermittent fasting is so that your body isn't spending so much energy on the digestion and elimination, but that that energy can be put forth to resting, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like in the repair and the recovery parts that sleep is really necessary for. Mm -hmm. So it's, again, more of that looking at the diurnal patterns of the body, the waking and sleeping times, and not as concerned about smoothing out the peaks and valleys, like in looking at um, blood sugar. Right. And then so what would be your recommendation for the people out there who are, you know, because I know a lot of people are like, oh, I want to lose weight, and they want to do intermittent fasting. Is that a good recommendation or how can people kind of start to, you know, see if that's something that's going to work well for their bodies? Um, I think that it's all highly individualized. I think that it works really, really well for a lot of people. I think that it's a hard cold turkey kind of switch to make yeah. for a lot of people. And so maybe rather than saying immediately, you know, I'm not going to eat after 7 p.m. and I'm not going to eat again until 9 a.m., that, you know, take a look at what your pattern is right now. Because if you're still having a, some kind of a snack, a little munchie, a glass of wine, whatever, at 11 p.m. now, backing that up all the way to 7 p.m., Mm -hmm. That's a huge shift. Yeah. So maybe you back it up an hour at a time, like for a week, mm -hmm. and then another hour the next week, and then another hour the next week. Right. And it requires you really tuning in to your body and saying, is this working? Is this not working? How am I reacting to this? How, what's the quality of my sleep? What's the quality of my hunger levels? How's my mood? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I am a huge believer in keeping a super old school spiral notebook, <laughs> ballpoint pen next to my bed. And I just make a lot of notes about mm -hmm. literally how am I feeling in my body? Because that's really the best way to discover patterns over time. Yeah. We think we're going to remember it all. We don't remember anything. <laughs> There's too many other things taking up space up there. Well, and it's just too much. It's like, too much. That you're supposed to remember what you ate every single day right. and how many hours you slept. And, right. I mean, it's just... Yeah, it's it's too much. But, you know, um, if you're a digital data person and you have some sort of, you know, wearable wellness or fitness tracker that's giving you that information, then you can roll your eyes at my spiral notebook and ballpoint pen and rock on with your own self. That's totally cool. Um, but really being willing to see yourself as uh, an experiment mm -hmm. and being able to see yourself as a work in progress is an important first step to finding a sustainable solution for yeah. you. 
You know, it also sounds like, you know, to take something like intermittent fasting as an example. Um, it's something that's not taken in isolation. Exactly. So when you mm -hmm. look at the people for whom intermittent fasting is working really well, they're losing lots of weight, they seem really healthy and energetic, that it's not that they're eating McDonald's and Coca-Colas right. and intermittent fasting. Right, yeah. It's that they have all of these other elements, too, that they're working towards, and then intermittent fasting just kind of works as a great complement. So they're eating healthy foods. They're staying away from the processed foods mm -hmm. and processed sugar. They are usually tend to be pretty uh, active. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of the um, athletes out there that are already kind of taking a lot of care in that physical exercise component, mm -hmm. um, I think are, um, you know, a little bit more likely to be able to adjust and adapt to that intermittent fasting more easily than somebody who's trying to take intermittent fasting and then plug it into right. their lifestyle where they're maybe still, you know, doing a lot of those unhealthier, you know, kind of habits and diets and yeah. not exercising. And Yeah. No, it does. It, it won't work if you're just suddenly telling yourself, I'm not going to eat between these 12, 14, 16 hours, whatever it is for you. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it has to be taken with the bigger picture point of view. Right. So going back over to that, you know, idea of, uh, of our metabolism, you know, so at the beginning, you kind of differentiated between our, uh, our basal metabolism, what we're kind of born with, so to speak, and then the metabolism that actually dictates how quickly we'll burn through calories, how many calories we will store on our bodies mm -hmm. out of the things that we eat. You know, so when people talk about like, oh, I just have a slow metabolism. Is that realistic? Like, are some people uh, genetically, uh, you know, challenged to lose weight while other people are genetically going to have an easier time losing weight? Like, where does the, I guess, genetic piece kind of fall in? Usually, if people are talking about that, that I have a, you know, I have a slow metabolism or I have a fast metabolism, that is really more part of a bigger endocrine system puzzle. So that really has more to do with how's their thyroid working? How are their adrenal glands working? Are we getting full communication between the hypothalamus, the thyroid, and the adrenal glands? Because that's what overall, that whole system taken together, mm. also plays a role in metabolism. So for people who feel like they really struggle with losing weight and they're like, I'm doing the math and on paper, I should be losing weight. What's going on? Well, those are the people who need to take it a step further and they need to go see their physician. They need to go to an endocrinologist, see a functional medicine physician who's willing to dig down for them and find out mm -hmm. what's going on in that bigger endocrine system interrelationship that's not working correctly. Right. So if I'm like doing all of the things, but then the body isn't responding the way that we quote unquote think that it should be responding, um, you know, so adrenals, uh, kind of our energy levels. Mm -hmm. um, and then can you talk a little bit more? So thyroid, um, what would be the maybe like symptoms, so to speak, that might tell somebody that they might have uh, an issue with, with the thyroid balance? Well, thyroid balance is really um, fascinating. First of all, if you love this kind of thing, I urge you to read more about the thyroid. It's a fabulous little gland. Um, but there, there's multiple issues 
with thyroid balance that can cause different sorts of sets of symptoms. And what gets really confusing for people is that they can read through the list of hypothyroid symptoms and say, ooh, that's me, that's me, that's me. And then they read through the list of hyperthyroid symptoms and they say, ooh, that's me, that's me, yeah. that's me. And then they're like, awesome. I'm so confused now. I'm I don't know what this means. And hypothyroid. Exactly. Because and this is where getting a healthcare practitioner who really knows what they're doing here is absolutely essential because you can have presentation of both hyper and hypothyroid. So you've got a test. You can't just keep, you can't guess at what's going on. Mm. And when you're testing for thyroid, you need to test for the thyroid stimulating hormone. You need to test for both T3 and T4 and reverse T3. And what all of those little numbers mean are different aspects of how the thyroid is working. And I say that because a lot of clients who I've worked with in my health coaching practice will, with their physicians, say, I need a hormone, uh, a thyroid hormone test. And they say, great, and they come back and they've only tested the TSH, which is the thyroid stimulating hormone. And it is possible for you to be fully within a normal range, mm -hmm. but your T4, your active level of thyroid may be off, your T3 may be off, and the ratio of T3 and T4 may be off. All still while you seem, with the other measure, right. of being fine. And so it's really a matter of digging deeper into it mm -hmm. to really find out how all of those different thyroid hormones are working in relationship to each other. Right. Very interesting. Um, so, and then what was the third one that you mentioned? Hypothalamus? Or yes. Your hypothalamus, which is your body's, like, temperature control system. Okay. Um, so what's... Awesome about the hypothalamus and how it can work in relationship to metabolism, um, and this is really, really important with a lot of the women who I work with in perimenopause who are like, I'm gaining weight, my metabolism is tanking, right? right? The idea is that we really want to stimulate the hypothalamus to create heat from within mm in order to kind of give it a reset so that it knows it can kick on and then sort of spur on the whole knock-on chain of effect down through the thyroid and into the adrenal glands. So a lot of times what happens is as people age, they shy away from doing resistance exercises. They shy away from the idea of weight training because they don't want to get hurt or they don't really know what they're doing. And so they're afraid of looking stupid or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so they just then they just go back to walking as their only form of exercise. So I know I said earlier walking is great. I still believe walking is great. But we need to be doing work that's going to really stimulate the hypothalamus to keep that temperature regulation, to keep it humming, because it is like the starting point of this whole cascade of other hormonal activities. Yeah. And so doing resistance training, really firing yourself up from the inside is the best way to do that. Cool. And then if we could offer some kind of a recommendation of like how many minutes a day or how many times a week, you know, I mean... Obviously, I think more, you know, the, the more that we can do, we're going to have better results. But if you were to kind of give like bare minimum yeah. um, that people could at least start to aim for, what would you yeah. recommend? Um, 
So I would say 30 minutes of moderate to high activity on most days of the week is really best. That doesn't all have to be done at the same time. Cool. So you can collect your minutes over the course of the day. So if you have 10 minutes in the morning and 10 minutes at lunch and 10 minutes after work, um, for those of you who own dogs, I bet you have 10 minutes twice a day already pretty much built into your lives walking them. Um, So, yeah, you're only looking for 10 more minutes. Uh, But it has to be, you know, this is not strolling. Um, (laughs) This is not, um, you know, kind of just hanging out and and walking and talking. This is purposeful movement. Don't ever make fun of the old people walking at the mall because (laughs) they're out there doing it. Yeah. But I want to make a comment to your point of, you know, more minutes is always better. Um, And that is true up to a point. But if you're if you're finding yourself in the position of um, you're doing particularly a lot of cardio. So speaking to fellow runners out there and you're doing a lot of running and you're finding yourself gaining weight, you're finding yourself gaining weight in, in particular around the middle, then you could actually be creating stress within your body that is setting off this negative cascade Mm. of hormonal effects to the point I was speaking earlier about how our bodies physiologically are out of sync with our modern world. Mm -hmm. Like our bodies don't really understand when we go for a three hour run that we're doing that for fun. It thinks we're running from the lion, right? (laughs) And so it's pumping out cortisol Even though we're like, no, 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 I'm doing this for exercise. I'm doing this for stress relief. I'm doing this to take care of myself. (laughs) You can get some cross messaging in there in your hardwiring. So I just offer that as something to be aware of for people Mm -hmm. so that if they're in these training programs or training um, cycles and they're starting to notice that things are a little bit off and they're like, I'm working working so hard. Exactly. What's going on? Again, go back to your healthcare practitioner and ask them to really drill down on that thyroid issue and make sure that you're that you're not creating the system for yourself. The podcast you are listening to was brought to you by WellnessPlus.tv, a subscription service empowering you with everything you need to take control of your health and happiness. Sign up for your free trial today to watch the video version of this episode and all our podcast episodes. Plus, you'll gain access to our extensive library, including hundreds of follow-along yoga and fitness courses, massage therapy tutorials, weight loss information, guided meditations, educational health videos, and so much more. Feel better, look better, and live better today by visiting wellnessplus.tv. Um, I, and I love what you said about, like, don't make fun of the walkers. You know, whenever no. I see someone walking, I, I think the same thing, like, more power to you. That yeah. is so wonderful. Because I know that it feels overwhelming doing new things. It does. You know? So, like, getting out, walking, especially if you're outside in the fresh air or whatever. I mean, there's just so many benefits. Um, and then, uh, you know, to – I can't remember if it was – this discussion or the last one, but you talked about um, just walking on an incline. Yeah. Now you're like really creating some great uh, like resistance training, weight training, so to speak. So even taking that walk on an uneven terrain. Yeah. You know, like we've got a really steep hill on um, 
on our block where we live. And so we'll just kind of like take the, take that big incline. And you're right. You really do feel all your like muscles getting fired up. Um, so I love that, like little simple things like walk on an incline, um, or, you know, sometimes like carrying water bottles. Right. And they have all kinds of little fancy things now, like little weights that can, you know, oh, velcro yeah. around your ankle Tons or something. Um, just so that you're like finding ways to maybe like get a little bit more out of mm-hmm. it. But, um, you know, more often than not, I think just making the decision to do it. To do it. Is really Huge. the thing where, where people are um, kind of like that, you know, analogy I used earlier. Like we're looking for something, but we're looking so hard that we don't see we don't. Mm-hmm. the solutions right in front of us. Yes. And that happens all the time that it's often really, really simple things. And then you kind of go, oh, wait a minute. I was right there the whole time. Mm-hmm. But I also want to offer and sort of challenge to um, the audience. When you are out exercising and you see other people, greet them. <laughs> it seems like really hokey and corny, but I have this personal challenge for myself that when I am out running, I smile and say howdy to every single person that I pass. And I do that just because it helps to remind me that we're all connected. Mm. And, like, you never know how hard it was for somebody else to get out and put their shoes on and get their workout done. Mm -hmm. And that maybe you're just acknowledging them as a human being is, like, that's the girl that they need to be, like, yeah, somebody saw me out here doing this. I'm going to do it again (laughs) another time. You know? And you just – it's a really simple thing, but – you never know how it can affect other people. Yeah. And I'll say I kind of have that kind of approach just in my like daily life. I just love, you know, whether it's um, like anytime I'm out at a restaurant or something, I just always try to like be extra appreciative of, you know, the person that's waiting on me or mm-hmm. taking care of me or whatever. Because I just think, you know, I have been in those situations where you're working your job and then your life in the background is maybe super stressful. Yeah. Or, you know... There's all kinds of things that can be going. So just having that, you know, element of community Mm -hmm. that you get maybe in the checkout line of the grocery store or, like you said, walking past somebody on the hiking trail or running past somebody, you know, that, you know, we connect with each other. Um, It's a little bit off topic, but, you know, we definitely live in this culture where everything's like social media. But -hmm. then at the same time, we've also become like less social in Mm -hmm. a lot of ways. Um, So I think trying to bring that social nature back, and then especially for talking about being active, you know, what if you had a group of friends, a group of coworkers, um, your family or whatever, you know, that you start being active together. Right. Or going for walks together or let's go, you know, let's go do the stairs. Just a really positive way to encourage each other. And Mm -hmm. I think particularly if people are feeling really overwhelmed with starting a weight loss journey or starting um, a healthy habit practice, just knowing that somebody out there sees you and acknowledges you Mm. and recognizes that you're trying is a really wonderful and easy way to motivate somebody. Mm -hmm. And then it harkens back to kind of the overarching theme that, you know, the more that we're smiling, 
that in itself is like self-care. Absolutely. It's almost like, yeah. you know, physical exercise yeah. in itself. Because so we spend so much time, we're stressed, mm-hmm. our brow is furrowed, and we're like clenching our jaw or like whatever. So if you can just stop for a second and find anything that makes you smile or helps to make somebody else smile, like that yeah. in of itself is giving somebody such a great gift of health and giving it to yourself as well. Oh, it's, so. it's amazing. My my favorite example of this is that I um, was running a training run a few years ago. Um, it was a 50K, so it's 31.1 miles. This is a wow. long race, right? <laughs> and about nine miles into the race, I just happened upon these two guys who never met before, right? They're running together and just start sort of chatting with them, as you do in a race. And it come to find out that Neither of them have ever run longer than a marathon, and um, they have no real plan. They're just kind of like going to run until they can't run anymore. So anyway, (laughs) I start talking to them, and I start sharing with them that, you know, I've been running marathons and ultras for 20 years. Like, I have a lot of experience in this. I do it because I love it. Here's my strategy. Here's what I'm doing. You're welcome to kind of try it out and see how it works for you. And anyway, as it turns out, I was like so wonderfully distracted by talking to them and teaching them and sharing what I knew and just being excited to have somebody else kind of nerd out with me as we were running that I wound up running my fastest 50K by like almost half an hour, which is like a minute a mile, like a a big difference because I was not focused on myself. Mm -hmm. I was focused on other people. So you know, again, I think that's part of like, you know, and they were ecstatic when we finished, right? Because yeah. they were like, oh, my God, I never even thought we could do this. And then here it was. And it was fun. Um, so, you know, how can we continue to motivate and support other people regardless of where they are on their journey of healthy habit building and wellness and just yeah. trying to enjoy the marrow of life? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, like you said, getting through, uh, you know, things that are physically demanding or whatever, if you have that little element of community or something that makes it fun, you know, I have so many um, people that are like, oh, I just really don't want to do a physical activity. I just don't want to do anything. Oh, it's just so hard to be active. And I'm like, well, do you like, you know, playing video games like, you know, Dance Dance Revolution or I mean, yeah. so and especially yeah. if you have like the VR Be stuff creative. now. Yeah. There are a lot of those games that are really physically demanding. Um we yeah. recently received this uh product called a stealth core trainer and it's like um got a little uh you know kind of platform where you set your arms but then it's on a it's not actually on a ball, but oh, it pivots. like a gyroscope kind of thing? And then you stick your phone on it, and you can, like, play games on your phone. Like, there's this hang gliding game. It's so much fun. And I'm That's like, cool. I never would have seen myself, like, doing planks for several right. minutes. That was just, like, I was, like, I, yeah, not into planks. But this thing, like, now it's so much fun. And I'm like, wow, I'm really good at planking, and I've gotten really good at this game. But right. just as a little note on, like, if you can make it fun or find a game that gets you really active, like, that can make it so much easier than being like, oh, I'm going to go do this grueling thing that I right. really dislike or right. whatever. Yeah. Well, something sort of related to that, what I hear a lot um, from clients who I work with is the idea of like, I want to make a change, but my family's not on board. Mm. So like, how do I instill this healthy habit for myself 
without making tons of more work and without having people complain at me all the time. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, as you said, if you can find other people to do it with you, then it's much easier. But that's not always the case. Right. And so, you know, usually like in that in that sort of a scenario, you know, it goes back to the idea of like, okay, well, what small change can you make that will move you in the right direction and will sort of gently massage and nudge them in the right direction, but they won't feel like they're being, you know, beaten over the head with something they don't want to do because nobody wants to do something that they don't want to do. True. (laughs) You know, and, and I think that, you know, maybe the, uh, kind of the take home message, so to speak, is that we just kind of have an element of like creativity and fun as we approach this. Yeah. Um, and I think keeping keeping at a point of conversation, I think, is also really important. Um, one of the things I love about my work is I get to talk a lot of about a lot of like taboo kinds of topics mm-hmm. where, you know, I talk about things like, you know, weight in a completely non-judgmental way. You know, mm-hmm. I talk about your body and all the cool stuff that it does. And I talk about your body and all the weird and gross stuff. <laughs> that it does because bodies are cool, but they do weird and gross things all the time. But sort of normalizing that as a point of conversation, mm. I think it invites other people to say, hey, that's going on with me, too. Yeah. Wait a minute. I just thought that happened to everybody. Wait a minute. And is there a difference between something that's common and something that's normal? Because that happens a lot. Yeah. Right. In terms of like, I'm experiencing this and. I don't know, like, are you experiencing it too? Are we supposed to be? There's just, you know, sort of general ignorance. And that's not the fault of anybody. I mean, we're not all specialists at everything. Mm -hmm. Um, But being willing to talk about it and being willing to ask questions and being willing to say, who do I need to go see because this weird thing's happening and I'm not sure it should be happening. Yeah. Um, And, um, you know, so kind of going back to that, you know, topic of, of metabolism, I mean, you're so right. The issue of weight, um, you know, BMI, ideal weight, all of these different, you know, terms get thrown out. Um, and I think that at the root of, like, weight loss as a topic is that feeling of, of self-judgment mm-hmm. or external judgment. Yeah, societal you know, judgment. Around that topic. While at the same time, it's our culture and our, you know, big food corporations and the advertising and all, you know, all of this that has kind of created, at least the culture in the West, has also created the weight problems Mm -hmm. that now people, you know, have shame about and fear around. Um, And like you said, that kind of phenomenon where everyone's sitting around going, is this normal? Is this normal? When really probably a lot of people are experiencing that very thing. We're just so apprehensive about talking about it. And it feels so uncomfortable or whatever that then we just kind of sit there and we sit with it and we don't want to bring it up. It doesn't matter how old you are. You don't want to be the weird kid. Mm. Right. And so you're afraid that by saying, hey, this is going on, then people are going to be like, oh, she's the weird kid. We need it. <laughs> you know, kind of back away. But um, I, I really firmly believe that if we get hung up on the issue of weight, then we're missing the forest for the trees. Yeah. That there are a lot of other and more accurate markers of health than weight. Right. And I, 
you know, understand from speaking with a lot of my clients, I do work with a lot of morbidly obese people who feel very disenfranchised with their own bodies, mm-hmm. feel incredible shame about going to see a healthcare practitioner because, you know, their earache actually has nothing to do with their weight, but they're going to get a, a lecture when they're there. Yeah. So how do we work on empowering them to recognize that you can make healthy habits that are making real, meaningful, measurable internal changes in your body, but that your weight may or may not shift. Mm-hmm. So what can we do in order for you to decrease your blood pressure, to come off your blood pressure meds? What can we do to improve your cholesterol numbers? You know, there are all kinds of things that are within your control, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, you may or may not see a shift in your weight, but are your physiological markers healthier? Mm-hmm. Yes. So then how do you learn to advocate for yourself as a person who lives in a bigger body and not feel shame and not feel judgment and still figure out there are ways that your body likes to move. You just may never have been encouraged to discover them before. Right. So, yeah. And, you know, for a lot of the, um, you know, a lot of the people out there that kind of get that, uh, fixation on the aesthetic, so to speak, or fixation on, you know, this, this is the weight that I should be, or I wish I looked more like this celebrity or that Mm -hmm. or whatever. I mean, unfortunately, that is so common now um, that it's, it's maybe become uh, the norm in a lot of ways that most of us, whether it's, you know, people who are, uh, you know, uh, considering that they have too much weight that want to be smaller or people that are smaller and they're like, oh, I wish I had, you know, um, a bigger butt or I wish Mm -hmm. I had a this or I wish Mm -hmm. I had a that, you know, that fixation on I wish I had this. I wish that I wasn't in my own body. Right. Is like maybe the root of all of the issues that if at the very beginning they can accept where they're at Mm -hmm. and accept that there's not a right way right. or a good weight or and there's a not this one path. Thing. Yeah. And that whole like don't try to fit a square block into a round hole or whatever mm-hmm. that like we can't just expect that we're going to be able to attain this person's body or that. Right. You know, I hear this so much um in the realm of like different diets because mm-hmm. there's so many different ways of eating. Right. You know, and people will you know go, "Oh, I went vegan, so why don't I look like the freely the banana girl. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you yeah. know, clearly just adopting the way that another person eats is not going to give you all of their results. Right. And, yes. I'm um, not suddenly going to be six foot two, regardless of what I do. You know, <laughs> I'm kind of, I've been kind of tapped out here at five foot three for, uh, you know, 30 plus years. So, um, yeah. And I, I do think that mindset, though, is a starting point for a lot of people. And unfortunately, it's a starting point that immediately presents a barrier to allowing them to continue on a healthy journey. I like that you've kind of, um, you know, kept kind of coming back to that, uh, this concept of, you know, metabolism, um, having an ideal weight or whatever, uh, is really just the, 
um, kind of side effect, so to speak, of what the true goal is, which is restoring your health, yeah. helping your body to function at its optimal in all of the different areas that it's functioning all the time. Right. Um, and that once you start to support your body with what it needs, that suddenly maybe your weight will normalize as a result of prioritizing your health. You know, right. I think that's what it keeps coming back to for me is that if we are, um, you know, slim fast is a great example of something that people reach for, not because it tastes good, oh. right? <laughs> um, but because they think that it's what they should have. They think that right. it's better. And then actually, when you look at the ingredients, it's basically pure garbage. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just another way that I think in a lot of ways we've been, you know, somewhat misled and lied to Absolutely. by the mainstream by the, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, so when people are feeling confused, they're feeling overwhelmed, they're feeling that self-judgment, that all of those feelings are perfectly natural yeah. and understandable in the culture that we live in. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, even just to take that one step further, that don't let the fact that you may feel ashamed that you don't already know all of this stop you from learning it mm -hmm. because, you know, you were never taught it. Yeah. I was never taught it. I had to go and learn it on my own. I was sharing with you earlier, like I grew up on white bread with bologna and French's mustard and a bag of Doritos and a little Debbie snack cake for <laughs> my lunch every day. And, you know, I was a very active child. Um, I've never, ever sat still. So, you know, I've never experienced other than, you know, in my um, pregnancies being heavier than um, an average weight. But I have experienced the difference of eating just to get calories in my body versus eating for nutrients. Mm-hmm. And it's a pretty profound difference. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those things that you really can't just describe to someone. I mean, you really have to experience it for yourself. Yeah. Um, but, you know, again, kind of relating back to the previous podcast we did where we're talking about different simple healthy habits and simple switches that people can make, like starting every day drinking a glass of water mm -hmm. or inserting some, you know, uh, stair-stepping or jogging or running or even just simple walking throughout your day, those times when you might normally just be scrolling yep. through your phone, like, oh, I've got a couple minutes to waste. Um, the example of instead of sitting in the waiting room, that yeah. you go and take the stairs and, and take the stairs for, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 <laughs> yeah, minutes, right. however All day. long. <laughs> so you can't walk the next um, day. Yeah. You know, however long that, uh, you know, we... Uh, might be sitting in a waiting room or whatever. I mean, there's all of this little, like, kind of forgotten downtime that mm -hmm. we take. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, if we can start kind of finding ways to insert those healthy habits into those little bits of downtime we already have, that's a really great first step. It is. Um, and it's sustainable. That's the other thing that's great about it is it's not just something you're going to do once and then, you know, be done. Mm -hmm. You start to crave it. Yeah. It snowballs. Yeah. You know, are there any closing ideas that you have on, uh, you know, we kind of started this talking about hacking our metabolism. We talked a lot about um, having uh, consistent physical exercise throughout the day. Um, 
getting sleep. Did mm-hmm. we talk about was I can't remember if that was the last one or that was this one. <laughs> yeah, sleep's very important for your metabolism. Very, very, very important. You're going to get your biggest uh, boost of your metabolism about two hours after sleeping. And so if, if weight loss is your goal, if fat loss is your goal, then sleep is absolutely critical. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just think of it as a way you know, particularly if you're not inclined to exercise, do your exercise, but then realize that your sleep is just going to piggyback on that exercise and make it even more valuable. Right. Um, and also just to speak of the fact that, unfortunately, for those of you who don't like exercise, you know, there isn't a shortcut. That's that's just the truth. So make your time count mm. as well. And if you're really time crunched and you really hate exercise, the good news is that the science is on your side, that you don't have to work out for like an hour. You can do workouts that are short as seven or eight minutes, but as long as you're working at a high rate, you're going to reap the physiological benefits wow. of that workout. So no more I don't have time excuses. Those are the science blows those out of the water. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, you know, so to kind of uh, take that thought on, you know, even seven or eight minutes of an intense workout. Um, and when you do those pretty like high intensity workouts, your body, is it true that your body kind of continues fat burning yeah. even throughout the day? Yeah, it's um, post-exercise oxygen consumption. Um, and basically what it means, it's like an afterburn. It's the easiest okay. way to describe it. So if you've pushed yourself well beyond your regular, you know, um, capacity, cardiovascular capacity, then in order to, to buffer down and to reset to your level, it takes energy to get you there. Mm. So you're going to enjoy after effects from your workout. And that happens primarily with the resistant training, with the weight training. So not not so much from the cardiovascular training. Interesting. Again, another reason, always plugging doing the resistance training, particularly for the ladies because of the skeletal types of benefits as well, Mm -hmm. putting off that osteoporosis, broken hips, all of those things that lead to really decline in quality of life. Mm-hmm. And then those things that end up making it even harder for us to do the things to right. get healthy. So right. if we can kind of maintain and care for our bodies um, while, uh, you know, before it becomes an issue, before we lose it, so to right. speak. Because yes. once you've been sedentary for your entire life, and then you do start to maybe have... Um, like your joints mm-hmm. are, you know, starting to get painful or, you know, right. like you said, maybe your bone density is going down because right. you haven't been doing any body weight mm-hmm. exercises. Balance. You lose your um, balance as you age, as your vestibular system declines. Yeah. Now everything is suddenly a little bit more challenging mm-hmm. than if we had just like put in that care um, previously. Right. The little, um, what is it? Uh, stitch in time saves nine, yeah. as yeah. they say. Exactly. And it's a, it, it is unfortunately the reality of your body is it's a use it or lose it. And so the good news, though, is if you use it, then you can keep it operating at a more efficient level, having the optimal types of outcomes that you're really looking for, Mm -hmm. for longer. 
Yeah. Well, and I hope that we have empowered some people to start using it. Yes. Go for it. It's <laughs> um, only body you get. Yeah. Um, and I just want to thank you so much for sharing all of this with us. I definitely want to have you back on the program sometime soon. Thanks. It's been my pleasure. I want to thank all of you for tuning in to the podcast today. You can learn more about Karen by visiting her website, runningonbalance.com. She's also available for personal training and health coaching here in Austin, so you can contact her through her website. If you'd like to watch the full one-hour interview, you can find it on wellnessplus.tv, along with hundreds of other health and wellness videos. I want to thank you so much for sharing your time with us today, and I do hope you'll come back and join us again soon. Have a great day. The Wellness Plus Podcast. Copyright 2018. Target Public Media, LLC. All rights reserved.